It's Land Cruiser Chaos. We're here to examine how Toyota's full-size 4x4 Aussie favourite is being handicapped by its own success. Will you miss out on the chance to own one? I'm Cars Guide Deputy Editor James Cleary, and joining me today to look at this SUV supply crisis is key contributor Andrew Chesterton. Hello, everyone. And our Managing Editor, Head of Video, Matt Campbell. G'day. We'll also take a look at the fresh metal we've been driving this week and unearth the comment of the week. And look, thanks to all the people that stood by. Uh, we were attempting to do a live stream of this episode. Um, thanks for your patience. Launch control was engaged. We were at max RPM, but failed to get the power down. So um, we've, been able to, we've been able to put this one down uh, out nonetheless. So let's get into it. Um, Land Cruiser Chaos coming to Australia soon. This is a story that you authored through the week, which generated a lot of interest. Let's put it that way, Chesto. Yes. And that orders have been suspended in Japan, which just seems extraordinary. Talk us yes. through it. So look, there's obviously a huge amount of interest in the 300 series more generally, hence the interest in this story. And it all broke last weekend, and we wrote it, wrote it uh, earlier in the week, that basically Toyota in Japan has taken really the unprecedented step of suspending all orders across its Land Cruiser 300, because it's basically conceding that demand has far outstripped su uh, supply or their, even their production capacity. So if you visit the Toyota public facing website in Japan, the, the same Land Cruiser site you'd go to to spec a car or do a comparison or order one, there's now a public apology posted saying that we, we have greatly exceeded our production capacity. We're very sorry. And it, we're, we're not taking any more orders for the foreseeable future. Amazing. Which yeah. is incredible. No, doesn't it, doesn't it offer up the question that if you've got a model that's been successful for a long period of time, which Land Cruiser has through successive generations, you'd have to have a handle on it to the point where we know what demand is likely to be. And if you got to this point, maybe you'd switch another factory to Land Cruiser production or put in, you know, I know it's always a big decision to, to, to flick that switch and say, we're either going to build a new plant or modify our, our production balance so that we're building more land cruisers, but surely that would have happened before we get to this situation. You're right, and I think they, they had a bit of evidence too, mate, because if you remember before the 300 came, people were snapping up 200 series at a rate of absolute knots too. So there's a fairly big indication there it was gonna be popular. But also this, this story sort of began a fair while back now before the Land Cruiser 300 series even arrived in Australia. So when it first went on sale in Japan, I'd never heard of this either, speaking of unprecedented, they were asking their 300 customers to sign a contract with the company, promising that they wouldn't on-sell it within a certain amount of time after having bought it. If they failed, if they did on-sell it, they risk being banned from ever buying another Toyota product ever again. So they were taking it seriously from day dot, but yes. still they somehow managed to be uh, caught unaware by just that company. So they knew more or less, I mean, Matt Campbell, this sounds like, uh, you know, Ford and its latest GT40. You can't sell it, in fact, to anybody for a certain period of years, blah, blah, blah. So they, yeah. know, they knew that it was going to be an in-demand product. Damn straight. But it's like, probably caught them off guard in terms of how in-demand. Yeah, and this is the thing. Like, that's the sort of thing you hear from uh, Ferrari and Lamborghini, you know. If you, if you buy one of their cars and sell it for a profit, well, you're on the blacklist. You're never buying another one. So, uh, you know, this is unprecedented and i mean to think that it's it's all all that for a, a four by four diesel five or seven seat suv that like and what boggles my mind is that this is in japan like yeah you know japan the country where cars are smaller than anywhere else on the planet and they're they're designed for you know tiny little roads and yeah efficient and and smart and clever and cool and then there's 
the thing behind Chesto, and it's like, yes, why? We're exactly. talking home of the cake car too. It's, it's it's bizarre, but mate, I I, I think uh, in Japan, especially. In fact, just to give Australia a plug, they're actually blaming us. It says in the apology that they've been uh, swamped not just by domestic demand but by international demand as well, which includes the good people of Australia. So we're all part of the problem. But as of last week in Japan, the wait time on certain uh, three hundred series models was four years. Now, keep in mind, Land Cruiser is a bit of a special beast, but most cars are facelifted within around the four-year mark. So Correct. basically, mm. you buy one now, you're not going to be getting a seat in it until 2026. That was last week. Things have gotten considerably worse over the last few days. Now you can't even order one. Well, is, I, su- is- I suppose, it would, what it, what's your guess, Matt Campbell, in terms of the proportion of Toyotas sold in Japan that would be a Land Cruiser you know, of any description, I oh. suppose it's relatively modest compared to the model mix here. It would have to be. Um, and, you know, it's it's a pretty important part of Toyota Australia's model mix across Land Cruiser 300 mm. and the 70 series range. Um, and, you know, there's huge demand for both of those vehicles. Um, and it's the same sort of thing, you know, if, we, if we're hearing about um, wait lists of up to four years for the 300 in Japan, we're also hearing up to four years or, or longer in some instances um, for, for a 70 series. Yeah. I guess the other thing to consider is, though, if, if you're um, shopping for a particular Land Cruiser, you don't necessarily have to just go to one dealership. Like yep. if you think, well, if you've been told that oh, this Land Cruiser, well, this dealer is telling me it's going to be, I don't know, 18 months. Well, call the one in central west New South Wales or call the one in Queensland on the coast that you've never spoken to before and just, you know, make a holiday of it. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Drive it back, run it in. I suppose it depends on how stock is managed um, by Toyota Australia, whether they have a central, you know, overall controller that that is in touch with what's at this dealer and whether swaps happen easily or whether it's, it's like pulling teeth. Um, whether dealer inventory is shared, it's it's an interesting question. That is that is an interesting question because I I can tell you to give you a bit of an Australian insight. So in terms of wait time in Australia, Toyota's being keeping a bit cute on exactly how long they are, but there are reports of them being anywhere up to two years um, for, for certain LC three hundreds. My understanding the GR Sport is incredibly popular in Australia, but so you, you could be waiting up to two years here. And look, they reached out to us during the week after the after our story about the local market to give us a bit of an Australian update. So they say that uh, Toyota Australia can confirm that orders for the LC300 remain open and unchanged for the Australian market. The recent pause on LC300 order taking in Japan does not affect the Australian market, but Toyota dealers are best placed to continue to provide updates to our customers on delivery timeframes for individual orders, i.e. speak to one or more dealers. They can give you an insight. But the problem, the only catch with that is it's business as usual for LC300 orders in Australia, but that business... Just isn't it's not great <laughs> because I think I think Nirvana for an automotive brand or a dealer is to have one more order than the cars that you've got. Exactly, you know, it's just we just want that little bit more demand than supply. But exactly. this is skewed completely out of control, um, and it, it makes you think. Okay, most car brands around the world are experiencing some kind of constraint, be it through COVID-related uh, personnel issues or whether it's supply of semiconductors and microchips, that kind of thing, whether it's transport. Do you have any clue, either of you guys, in terms of what's at the heart of this uh, inability to supply enough land cruisers? Mate, I do have a fair idea. It's, it's, it's a multi-pronged sort of uh, attack here or, or, or you, know, you know, as they say, a perfect storm. So 
Uh, COVID crippled Land Cruiser plants in Japan. Uh, the production facilities were shut. I'm going for off memory here, but I now I think the rolling shutdowns lasted a total of 20 days over several months. So they lost a whole heap of production. There's of course chip shortages and just general supply chain woes at the same time. So it's a combination of supply chain woes, plant closures and COVID related sort of shutdowns and slowdowns. But I think, you know, the, the, the other element here that can't be discounted is just the unbelievable popularity of this thing. It, I, I really do think it's caught Toyota by off, off guard. It's, it's certainly caught me off guard, uh, how, how just how popular the 300 would prove. And yeah. I think it's also um, tes, uh, Tesla factor almost. Like, you know, just if, if you make something that people want, then then people will want it even more. Yeah. Uh, like the Cybertruck, you know, like people have wanted that for four years or whatever it is, and they still it's, want it, but no, it's, it's not here. Oh, mate, like, that's, that's vaporware. <laughs> I'm, call, I'm calling it now. Though, but, I, mean, I mean, supposedly there have been new prototypes spotted with more, you know, real-world tyres and, and doors yeah. that actually open and windows that don't break when you throw things at them. But, um, look, it's been, it's been too long. I just don't know whether we we're going to see it, but that's no. a whole other discussion. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> I, I think it's parked behind the new Tesla Roadster. They'll both come out about the yeah, same. The sem- and they're both ready to be transported on the electric semi. Yeah. Yeah, um, that's right. <laughs> and maybe through one of those boring tunnels. Tunnels, that's right. <laughs> Um, but but the, the 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 side topic uh, to the, all the Land Cruiser stuff and look, it has been chaotic. I think Toyota and Australians themselves would concede that. If you if you recall, they themselves kind of temporarily suspended orders and reset the order books back in the earliest days of it being released. So it has been definitely a, a sort of semi chaotic rollout. But the people who are benefiting from that are brands like Nissan. You know, the Patrol's never been so popular, and I think part, yeah. part of that is certainly due to the fact that more people are hitting the open road and looking for a big comfortable vehicle but you can't tell me a part of it's not that people are walking into toyota dealerships and being told two years you know correct you've got to agree with that um it was interesting i was having a look at uh, our very own justin hilliard's story from earlier in the year where if you're absolutely desperate to have an lc300 why not turn your lc200 into one um (laughs) which is uh basically a body kit out of china and there were prices quoted hold on i think he did actually come up with some prices so classic kind of china play if you guarantee you're going to buy five kits, we'll do you a certain price. (laughs) So for between, let's call it just under five and just over 6K, you can have um, a new face, uh, the near identical version of the the 300's grill and bumper. Um, They even tweak the way the headlights are to mimic the the LED uh, DRLs that are on the 300. Yeah, right. Um, The taillights, the whole bit. So if you're desperate just to show the neighbours in your street that you have actually got the LC300 and you can get a few buddies together, maybe uh, you can get some of those kits. I would also say that if you are really one of those people who is desperate to get a 300 series, go to the Lexus dealership and see about wait times for an LX because you might find that there's a more free-flowing supply chain for the LX, uh, despite the fact that they're mechanically pretty much identical cars. Um, In exciting news, you'll find that that, uh, Japan's just shut down production on the LX. Oh, is that right? (laughs) They might still be stock coming, though. That's right. Yeah. But, but for, for as long as I've been writing about cars, you used to have to buy a car, pick the right car, hang on to it for a while, and then if you were really, really lucky, you might be able to sell it for more than you bought it for. These days, you don't even have to wait for the car to arrive. Whether, whether it's an LC300 or a Tesla Model Y or whatever, these things seem to be increasing in value before you even get it to your driveway. Well, that, that, I'm sure that was in Toyota's uh, mind when they were talking about sign a, sign a contract. 
because they don't want people flipping their position in the queue and, mm-hmm. and you know, setting up some kind of market in LC300 futures, you know, as to what it's going to be worth in a year's time and yep. selling it for a price that's out of line with what it is new off the showroom. Yeah, yep. and by the by, I was at a, um, a Kia event a few weeks back and, you know, part of the uh, conversation was about price gouges. So buyers who are who are purposely buying cars that they know there's a lot of demand for, EV6 being the specific uh, example noted by Kia, yeah. um, and flipping them for a profit. And, yeah. you know, what does that do? That just makes supply even harder to deal with um, and demand even more. So, you know, yeah. it makes it makes cars that, you know, are in demand harder to get, which isn't good for anyone, really. Not just punters either. We've heard stories of dealers uh, adding incredible uh, delivery charges to vehicles, you know, that are in demand. So, yeah, it's a, it's a tough one out there at the moment. In, it's in, in, Western commercial, in Western commercial cultures, though, it's the way of life, isn't it? You know, mm-hmm. um, who hasn't walked past 15 ticket scalpers trying to sell you uh, last-minute tickets at, at a certain price Yeah, that's um, right. at a sporting event? If there's – it's supply and demand, it's market economics, that's how it works. But at what point do you think – like the, the supply and demand argument I definitely get, but I think the pendulum swung too far the other way now. Oh, yeah. You do get to a point where you risk brand damage, I think. You know, people just get fed up with it. Well, where's my bloody car, you know? Like- oh, 100%. Yeah, I mean, none of the – none. Of, you always want people wanting your product. Yeah. But if you get to this kind of chronic situation where you're just not able to supply it, that's a huge negative. Yeah, that's yeah. that's obviously a massive problem. Yeah, it's interesting. Anyway, so there you go. That's that is Land Cruiser chaos, ladies and gentlemen. And it hasn't not quite as chaotic in Australia as it is in, as it is in Japan, thankfully. But it's certainly not a smooth process either. Cool. Anything for anything more from your part, Matt? No, I just I think that um, if you are considering buying a Toyota Land Cruiser 300 series, make sure you watch all of our content on YouTube uh, because we've done quite a bit, uh, including a comparison test where the 300 series wasn't as good as you might uh, hope. Um, yes. So, uh, yeah, be sure to have a look around because um, I know that uh, there's a lot of hype around it and, you know, car reviewers might not necessarily reflect exactly what you might do with your car or what you plan to do with it and just keep an eye out because you know there's a lot of content out there about 300 series that could help you make your decision the the one that comes to mind is it is it the crafty one where he's on slippery mud and he starts to unleash his inner child and and uh Gets a fit of the giggles when he's trying to climb up a particular slope. Or was I he think in that's actually else? that's in one of the uh, Nissan patrols. Oh, Nissan patrols. There you go. <laughs> All right, we'll have a look at that too because <laughs> you could probably be having a look at a Nissan patrol in the, the in the near one. future. Yeah. A final Land Cruiser thought. If you think it's bad for the three hundred, the seventy series is reportedly even worse. The media got hold of a dealer notice a couple of a couple of weeks ago that said wait times on the seventy series were, and I quote, uh, four years or never. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Which, if you read into that a little bit further, does well, that mean that there's not more than four years of that car left? So look, that the, the clock's ticking on that car. There's absolutely no doubt. But I did speak to Toyota about it, and they said that was the view of an individual dealership. Um, okay opposed to the view of Toyota more generally. But look, you know, that car is up against all sorts of issues long term. So four years would be a pretty good stretch. In fact, it would bring its lifespan down to about 450 years if it makes another four. <laughs> That's true. But I, I've said it before and I'll say it again. I think Land Rover's Defender is the template for how 70 Series could, you know, survive into a Come next on. generation. Because yeah. Land Rover was, everybody was having a dig at them, like you can't kill a Defender off, you can't, you know, you need that body on frame. 
And here's, here they, they've created a magnificent uh, vehicle, in my humble opinion. Yeah, I agree. And Toyota could do worse than, than following that as a bit of a template. Yeah, that's right. Anyway, all right, that's it. That's the, the Land Cruiser Chaos. We're going to move to our garage um, and cars that we have indeed been able to acquire. No money changed hands, I might add, but um, <laughs> we've, been able to, we've been able to steer them. And Matt Campbell, can I start yeah. off with you, please? This is one that you've been driving for some time. Yeah, it's my uh, current long-term loan. Um, so oftentimes we get cars for up to three, four, even six months at a time, um, which is just, uh, it, it really helps you get to know and get to understand a car exceptionally well. Because on face value, you might think, well, that was a good car or that wasn't what I hoped it would be. Um, when you get to spend this much time with a car, it's fantastic. So my car at the moment is a Lexus NX 350h all-wheel drive luxury so that's the base all-wheel drive hybrid version of the uh, lexus nx um and it is quite nice (laughs) it's it's the same sort of powertrain that you'll find in a rav4 speaking of huge demand cars um and uh not not quite the small step up in terms of price that it used to be um, over the RAV4. Like it's about uh, $25,000 more than the most expensive RAV4 um, spec for specs. So it's not cheap. Um, And, you know, I I sort of uh, would struggle to personally um, come to be able to justifying uh, $77,000 or whatever it might be. Um, But it is a very nice car to drive. Um, couple of interesting quirks about it. Uh, it's got unconventional door handles. Um, so both inside and outside, you, you, it's sort of rather than having to pull a lever, it's sort of just like you press the lever on the, on the outside of the door right? and it unlocks like a mechanical lock. And so, so it's you a squeeze. It. You're yeah, squeezing. So you sort of squeeze it, yeah. And, and on the inside, you it's kind of hard to explain, but um, my 11-year-old nephew, just he was just like locked in. He was just, I can't get out. I don't know how to get out of this car. And so, <laughs> so, so was that a good thing or a bad thing? How do you um, get on with your 11, 11-year-old nephew? <laughs> well, thankfully, I was in the car with him. So oh, okay. uh, cool. um, I managed to help him get out. But, you know, yeah. there's an emergency thing, so you can lever it like a normal door handle. But there's like there's little things that Lexus well, seems to always do that just make you go, why did you do that? Really? Like, the the trackpad, like, the mousepad. Exactly. The trackpad, oh, yeah. the Magic media touch. systems in the past. Um, this one, thankfully, has a more conventional media system, although it's a square screen, like the infotainment screen is square. Really? Um, I've had quite a few issues with CarPlay on it, um, like, plug in, unplug, start the phone again, you know, it, it's a real annoyance. Um, but that's the biggest annoyance with the car so far. Love it. It's got a red leather interior and it looks schmick um, and it nice. fits our baby seat and most of our baby stuff in. Maybe not quite as big as I'd hoped it might be. But okay. um, all in all, um, I'm about oh, six weeks or maybe a bit more. Maybe I'm two and a half months into it. But okay. Okay. Uh, time doesn't exist in the COVID period, <laughs> right? We, we, in the world of young, when you have an infant child, yeah, the clock takes on a slightly different uh, character. <laughs> yes. Yeah. The, talking of door handles, just quickly, the one that I really like is in the Audi A3 S3. So it's a lever like any other from the inside. Uh, but rather than you having to put your hand up and kind of lever it back this way, you just put your fingers in and flick it up oh. and it allows you to do that and open the door at the same time. It's such a neat design. Oh, yeah, cool. So whoever thought that 
through, absolutely thought it through. It was, <laughs> it's a really good one to use. Okay. Thank you, Matt. Chesto, uh, yes. what have you been steering lately? So something pretty exciting. I'm in the new Kia Nero EV, which uh, launched in Australia last week. Now, you remember the Nero family launched about a year earlier, I believe. It was quite late in its global life cycle by the time we got it. It was kind of just yep. Kia testing the waters. So they brought in a hybrid, a plug-in hybrid, and a full EV. This time they've ditched the plug-in hybrid. It's a it's a, hybrid, a conventional hybrid or EV only. I spent the bulk of my time in the EV, and, and spoiler alert, I really like the way it drives. It's not a, um, it's not like a bananas EV in any sense. It, it just feels like a really normal car that is super silky smooth. The ride and handling balance is fabulous. The local mm -hmm. tuning work they've done has been terrific. Uh, but you know, we're talking seven point eight seconds, zero to one hundred. So we're not Model Three performance ridiculousness. It's got a sixty-four point eight kilowatt hour battery, one fifty kilowatts, two fifty-five newton meters. Right. Uh, and uh, a 460-kilometre driving range, which is well, plenty. Those, those outputs are kind of commensurate with a typical, you know, small to medium-sized SUV. That, exactly right. That, and it is, it is a compact SUV, although with a tiny bit more space than you might expect, but not heaps. So th there's a lot to really like uh, about the car, and uh, it makes a lot of sense for a lot of people. But there's one thing that I, I really couldn't quite grasp, and that was the price. It, it ain't cheap. So... Mm. It starts. It the the top spec model is seventy two thousand dollars for the GT. Righto. Right now, that's a lot of cash. Seventy two one hundred. In fact, the entry level S is sixty five thousand three hundred. Now, at the time of launch, that was only two and a half grand less than the flagship EV six bespoke EV architecture. Um, you know, electric car. So this kind of half ice car, half EV was two and a half grand less than the flagship. It was really weird. Then, of course, three days later, they upped the price of the, uh, the uh -huh. by another 4,600, I think, from memory. So the price gap makes a bit more sense. But do you remember when we were promised, and everybody promises this, that EVs were going to get cheaper? When is that happening? Because <laughs> at, at the moment, they are only getting more expensive, are they not? Did, did somebody say Tesla? No, he had not. I mean, oh, no, no, we were just talking about EVs in general. Yeah, but okay. Tesla gives you seven days to get it, get an order in before they jack the prices up. Like, it, it's crazy. I, at some stage, I still think, I mean, that is a car that would suit most Australian, uh, like urbanite Australians without too big a family really, really well. But to be perfectly honest, I don't know many that are dropping 72 grand on a car or on a compact mm -hmm. SUV. It's a lot of money. The other, the other mystery at this point is the elaborate nature of the car's manufacture, the materials that goes yeah. into it. No one's really, well, very few people are familiar enough with all of those things to be able to ascertain where's the a reasonable profit margin, where, where's the pricing and how much should these things cost? But, but um, batteries are you know, getting cheaper. We know that. I mean, that's a public number. The, battery, the cost of batteries is dropping all the time and yet the cost of EVs is only going up. It, I tell you what, it does leave a sizable hole in the market for incoming Chinese brands like BYD and Cherry and the like who can, who can you know, slot, slot in and get some uh, affordable yep. EVs on the market. All right. All right. Well, that's, that's very interesting. Thank you, Chesto. Um, we'll leave it there. I've been driving the Skoda Superb. So this is the Sportline liftback. Um, it's 63 and a half or thereabouts, $1,000 before you put it on the road. Two-litre turbo petrol floor. I believe it is the EA888 engine that has been used previously in uh, VW Golf Rs, et cetera. Yep. So it's that 206 kilowatts, 350 newton metres. It's a six-speed six dual clutch. It's all-wheel drive. So here you're not to 100 sub six seconds. So it, it's starting to get into pretty rapid car territory. 
And the pluses for me are many. It's comfortable. Mm-hmm. It's well-equipped. It's sleek as. I really like the look of it. The, the one that we've had has the, um, like a charcoal grey and all of the what would normally be bright badges and other bits and pieces are black. It looks uh, really schmick. Um, and what else? Effortless cruiser. The boot is huge because it's a lift back. Good rear room, lots of thoughtful SCOTA touches like the storage, the little bin, the umbrella, all of those things. Yeah. And then I was thinking, what, what's the minus? And I was just thinking, bugger all. Mm-hmm. I, it's, it's really, there's not a lot that I, I could pick on really. Maybe a little firm in the suspension, but it, it has adaptive dampers, so you can dial that up to your, to your own taste. So, James, are you yep. saying that it's superb? Ooh. <laughs> yes. I think, it's, I think this SCOTA superb, superb. And um, the, the, in the sums, doing arithmetic, a VW Passat 206 TSI R-Line is about 4K uh, more. Yeah. So it's not exactly a big price advantage if you wanted to go down the Volkswagen route. And Skoda traditionally has been that, look, all the tech and, and um, quality without having to pay the price. So there's a bit of a differential there. But I do think it really meets that kind of thinking person's European car brief. Yeah. Um, I, I enjoyed driving it and I was just thinking, yeah, this is a, a really it's, nice car. It's a damn sight cheaper than what you'd pay if you were shopping at Audi, Mercedes or BMW yeah. for an equivalent sized yeah. thing. It um, is. And if you are interested more uh, in that car, then you can stay tuned because we have a family review coming hey, on that nice. exact car in a few weeks' time. So stay yep. tuned for Emily Agar's I'm- take on it. For what it's worth, I'm also the subscriber, uh, subscriber to the theory that says Skoda is the new Saab. Mm. It's it's the yep. the European brand that people who aren't so fussed about the big badge kind badge, of statement, yeah. mm, uh, they yeah. want the quality, they want the safety, they want all that stuff, but they it relatively low key. And yeah. I, I think it fulfills that brief really well. And yeah. just just while we're plugging things, a key the Kia Nero uh, review is live uh, on the site, and I think the video is going up in about an hour, Matty, or so. Yes, or, yes. So awesome. um, by the time this goes on to the YouTube channel, it'll probably be up on YouTube already. So okay. if you are interested, check it out. My video of my long term car won't be up for a few months. Sorry. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> just keep, keep watching the Nero back to back until that one comes live. <laughs> yeah, very good. All right. Now we will go to comment of the week. Um, yes. As last last week, we were talking about Commodore in another universe. That is, what if rather than shutting Holden down, GM had sold it um, along with Vauxhall and Opel and it ultimately became a Stellantis brand and where might Commodore be uh, right now in 2022? Um, and look, Fat Man Overlanding came at us with a really interesting comment. He said, Holden, it's either bad timing or lousy marketing or both going against it. I was very surprised the crewman two-wheel drive and all-wheel drive and Adventra didn't do better than they did, considering how popular two-wheel drive, two-wheel drive dual cabs are and the Subaru Outback is doing well in its niche. Could it be that both models were released ahead of their time? Mm-hmm. Would they have done better if they were released now? 100%. And I think 100%. And so does Steve Otley, who wrote a story, Right Car, Wrong Time, about exactly those models. Yep. Um, you know, in the early 2000s, you had the VT Commodore going gangbusters and Holden was on a high and they actually revived the Monaro. Um, really high times, good times for Holden. 2003, the VY comes along and that Commodore is very successful. And alongside the Monaro, they launched the Adventurer um, and the uh, Crewman and they were ahead of their time. 
Uh, yeah. For sure. And if they were launched now, they probably would have done a heck of a lot better. Yeah. And um, I guess uh, petrol was probably about as expensive then as it is now. Um, so it was a pretty tough time petrol wise. And I think that was part of the reason that they weren't as successful as they could have been. Yes. Um, the, the V6 engine in particular was was known for being a sucker on the juice. Like it right. was really, really heavy on fuel. Right. Right. Um, and I, I look. I'm, I think we're going to do a podcast on this another time, but I would love to have an adventure Look, or a there, crewman. There it is. Garage. There it is. I was waiting for it because you are a scraper <laughs> of the classifieds. You're, you're basically an authority on what's worth what, and yep. you're probably annoyed that we've even mentioned the crewman um, or the adventurer because you reckon they're kind of sleeping opportunities. Is that right? That they, oh, look, I... I am stopping myself from scrolling away and looking at something about how much I should pay for one right now. That's very good. That's very good. All right. Well, look, with that, we have reached the finish line. So it's time to say thank you, Chester. Thank you. And thank you, Matt. Thank you. And thanks to all our listeners and viewers. And to our production multitasker, Mr. Brett Sullivan. Thank you, Brett. Just to keep us in our places today, he's wearing a T-shirt saying, I don't always just sit and listen to my exhaust, but when I do, so does the neighbourhood. Um, <laughs> jump, jump into the conversation, Cars Guides on Facebook and Instagram or email us at comments at carsguide.com.au. Listeners, please take a moment to rate and review the show. Five is the preferred number of stars. Thank you for that. And viewers, if you're watching on YouTube, make sure to subscribe to the Cars Guide channel so you can stay on top of all our latest content. But before we go, when my mate sadly lost the fingers on his right hand in a freak accident, he reckons that he asked the doctor if he'd still be able to use it in his work as a mechanic. Apparently, the doc said probably, but I wouldn't count on it. Oh, <laughs> oh man. <laughs> <laughs>